Welcome to HGA's Redefining Workplace podcast, where we'll talk with experts about all things related to office design in the age of COVID-19, while keeping CREs up to date with the new insights as they emerge. I'm Melissa Pacey, principal at HGA in our San Francisco office, and super excited to be your host today. Joining me to talk about the technology shifts we're seeing are Nick Janik, Systems Integration and IT Project Manager in our Milwaukee office, Brad Colt, the Director of Technology Design and Planning in our Minneapolis office, and Remington Barrett, a Systems Implementation Specialist in our Minneapolis office. Thank you all for being here today. Thanks for having us, Melissa. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Yep, this is an exciting conversation to have. Great. So first, I wanted to start talking about the typical adoption process for IT. And Nick, I thought you'd be a good person to address that. Can you talk to our listeners about how long adoption typically takes in the workplace and how that's changed more recently? Yes, I can. Prior to COVID-19, our team consistently spent time researching new software as well as beta testing it internally within our own department for a period of one to two months to not only learn the features, but understand how its use can create an efficiency in our users' workflow. After familiarizing ourselves with the software, we would then roll it out to a specific department or a small subset of users and do more of a phased approach throughout the entire organization. The typical pre-COVID roll-up process would take anywhere between nine to 10 months as there's often a lot of online webinar style training documentation creation, and individual Q&A or hand-holding. Since COVID, what we have seen is users looking and exploring new tools on their own, no longer coming to IT first, and then performing their own beta testing. For the user, it's more of a, let's see what's out there now, let's try it, see if and how it works, and then let's sell it to IT. In addition, IT is deploying software even faster too. For example, right when COVID hit, we were in the process of transitioning to a new VPN software. This new software deployment would have typically taken eight to nine months to fully test and deploy. However, we ended up migrating 900 employees to the new method within the course of three days. In addition, quickly creating simple documentation with only the need to know information. It is honestly more of a learn as you go strategy for the user and even in some cases IT. As it relates to the training and a self-service install in your own style of deployment, our new goal is to get people the tools that they need right when they need them. Absolutely. Remington, did you have something you wanted to add to that as well? Yeah. We are super excited and happy that a lot of our users have been flexible and are able to adapt to changes like this. Even though the pace at which the IT department moves is quick, technology moves even faster. And what we have learned is that it is critical to make sure that the users can finish the forever marathon with us. We do not exactly want to outpace our users or clients' ability to run with us. That is so true, Remington. It's always about the testing and training. However, what I realize is it's the best way that users learn is by throwing themselves into the software and learning by trial and error. The end user side, I want to empathize with the other clients and their workers that same position where it's felt like an influx of all the new tools for collaboration that are out there. 
And as Nick said that there has been an attitude of let's ask for forgiveness rather than ask for permission as people try and find new ways to do things. And that can be helpful for being able to keep teams nimble, but it also could mean that you've got many different teams using many different tools and that there is no one cohesive strategy. So it's a little bit challenging and we all have to be patient with each other, realize that it's taking some time to onboard to these things. And what I am encouraged by is seeing people who are adopting these things who never thought that they were technology people who didn't want to be the early adopters. And as they're picking it up out of necessity, they're realizing that they can actually do it. And I'm very proud of my teammates and all of the people we're working with who have been able to step up to that challenge. That's great, Brad. Can you talk about some of those new virtual collaboration tools that you're seeing more specifically? Yeah, the architecture and engineering community really loves Bluebeam. That is our PDF markup tool. Uh, rather than using Adobe, more of the creative people like to use. We have people who are enthusiastic about using Bluebeam, which is not something you ever thought you might describe a PDF editor being something people are excited about. That's something we've been using for quite a while. So we're able to get people grouped together through that. Uh, we've been using things like Communicator and OneNote, uh, maybe a little bit more informally, and it's been individuals who have done that. Now I see more teams embracing that. And Microsoft Teams as a product seems to be one of the things that some organizations had standardized on and used that previously, but there's a real uptake in the adoption of, of using that along with some of the video collaboration tools that may be paired with it or might be built into that software platform. That's the one I think I've seen more of the in-house and external teams who are having to learn how to adapt to using that. Some people had already been more fluent in it than others. And how would you say you've seen so far your clients thinking about how these new tools may be impacting rollout of AV in the spaces that they are hoping to return to? I think there's a lot of variability in how our clients anticipate being able to use those spaces. And some of that's just from the uncertainty of what is return to work going to look like. And that's something that's different from state to state, region to region, you know, even getting down to the individual clients. Some people are expecting that they're going to have more people in their offices sooner than later. But I think all of them are expecting that we're going to be socially distanced. So even in meeting rooms, there's not going to be as many people who are packed in there. More people are going to be taking meetings from their desks or from their homes still. So looking at how do we support that hybrid meeting experience where some people will be in person and other people will be joining remotely. And there it's important to make sure that we're somewhat democratic and providing some equality in how people who are not in the room and not able to read all the body language are able to participate and interact. To add to what Brad is saying, we are going to see a lot of transitions in the conference rooms. We're going to be moving away from the wireless tabletop microphones, and you are going to start to see the use of ceiling microphone arrays that don't require touch. In addition, being able to use your own smartphone device as a wireless microphone will also become more prevalent. Another change is transitioning to wireless content sharing devices. That is going to be critical as we no longer want users touching a shared HDMI and plugging it into their laptop. Users will want to project content wirelessly with a simple click on a personal device or laptop. So you'll see brands like Barco ClickShares, Mersive Solstice, etc. that display wireless content. In addition, we see the increased use of wide angle cameras that capture the entire room. It is going to be important for remote participants to be able to see and read the body language of, of a presenter and or others in the room. Active framing will also become more dominant. 
you will start to see cameras automatically learn who is speaking and tracking their actions by panning and zooming without the users even needing to interact with that device. We also predict that conference room layouts will change to more of a wedding head style table where you can see all the faces from a single camera location in the room. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Nick. And I wonder, I know you started to touch on some of the touchless technologies that you're seeing. Are there any other touchless technologies that are starting to emerge that you think might be interesting to listeners as well? One emerging technology that we are starting to see is voice control. The size and complexity of enterprise workplace systems introduces a new level of difficulty. For example, voice control systems are always listening and they're not perfect. Thus, at times they may trigger command words when there is no action really needed. This causes unnecessary interruptions and confusion. We do see hardware manufacturers slowly starting to open up their APIs to allow voice control to be used. However, it's still not ready for prime time. It would be though nice to not have all of these shared devices. You took the words right out of my mouth, Nick. But to build on that, there are a ton of different hardware and software manufacturers that need to communicate with each other. Unfortunately, voice cannot control an entire chain line because some of those manufacturers that are not up to date with that kind of technology yet. It is on the horizon, but it is coming fast. One thing that I am excited for is that there is a new explosion again in virtual and augmented reality. In the current times, to get a little bit more equity for people working in the office or from home, we need to have a little bit more of a human-like connection. For some people to have a virtual or augmented reality of someone standing right next to them or being able to experience a Revit model as they walk through it together is a huge benefit. There are tons of new things coming out of the woodwork and we are seeing new things every single day. One of the things I want to point out is that a lot of the technologies that Nick and Remington have mentioned are not new technologies that have come out of a COVID response. These are technologies that have already been available. And that's an important point to make, I think, that technology is adaptable and we can find ways to use these things that are already there. It also goes back to speaking to what they're mentioning about the adoption of these things being something that takes time to be able to push it through and make sure that it is supportable in enterprise. And the other part of it is just because these are all there doesn't mean that everybody uh, can now jump on them because it might take some effort and some cost to be able to tie things together to be able to use voice control. So I see people who are going to be moving in two different directions and having to look at how to make things more high tech and having to look at low tech options and figuring out out of the whole spectrum of everything that they need to be doing to adapt their buildings, which of the things need to be moving in which direction. And so you look at taking touchless as an example and looking more at touchless entry. We can be accommodating that through uh, different access technologies where you're able to use your badge and that'll automatically open the door for you. You wave your hand past uh, operator instead of having to push the paddle for it. Uh, you know, that requires some additional infrastructure to be able to make that happen compared to a low tech solution, which might be putting a hand sanitizer on both sides of the door and you're able to achieve sort of the same thing or suggestion I've heard kicked around would be putting some uh, kick plates for being able to operate the door with your foot, being able to get in and out of you know, maybe a restroom. So it'll be some modifications still, but a little bit lower lift to be able to do that. I agree, Brad. I would also add that we are really going to see an increase in the use of employees' personal devices in the workplace. In the near future, I can see employees having card access, HVAC, lighting, and AV controls in a single cloud-based mobile application. 
employees will be able to grab their personal device, launch the app and see if a conference room or desk is open, schedule it, and then control all the functions of that space. Some of these controls are already available, quote unquote, siloed in their own app, but eventually they will all come together. Yeah, and people's propensity to adopt the more cutting edge solutions because the business needs have now changed from what they had been before where they might have been a nice to have. Some of these things are shifting to be a little bit more of a must have. Well, and I imagine that also as technology is used, kind of some of the bugs and kinks are getting worked out. So it feels more reliable as a solution for a lot of our clients. So I want to segue over to talk a little bit about the new technologies that we're seeing in health screening and was wondering if you could tell our listeners what you're seeing and how you're seeing it implemented. We're going to see an awful lot of hype around the potential that these technologies can offer before we really converge on some of the reliable solutions. So we have clients who are adopting some of these technologies and some of that's out of wanting to be able to make sure that they're checking all the boxes they can to show that they're protecting themselves. Uh, But in some cases, it it looks a little bit like what what might have been referred to as security theater at the airport we have to go through. And so we'll see some of those things that are going to end up sticking with us for the long term. But I think we'll see more of those things that uh, will, will kind of fade away as we really realize how effective they are in protecting us. But things that I'm seeing our clients considering are the temperature checking cameras. And we've done a lot of homework on whether those are really effective or not. And the jury is definitely still out there. Some of those other technologies around that would be, again, going the high tech. That's a lot of infrastructure and a lot of cost. And it definitely impacts the way that people are going to have to enter the building and get screened. The low tech solution is going to be having people who would be just temperature checked with the forehead temperature reader. So a little bit easier to accommodate in terms of process, much lower cost. People are going to pick both. And at this point, it's really hard to tell which of those is right. Um, But then pre-screening people is another big component to getting people into these buildings. Because if you're having to do that process with everybody who's walking in the door, that's where your bottleneck is. So the more we can push that to be happening before people are getting on site, something has to happen on a daily basis. So getting that process in place, having those tools available for people to be able to easily access that and definitely messaging and educating them that this is what it is, how you have to do it and why it's important so that you get that buy-in on it. Uh, those are the steps that are really necessary to make sure that we're doing what we can and it's practical and cost-effective. Great. So as we wrap up, I was thinking it would be great if we could kind of go around and if each of you could give me the thing that you're most excited to see implemented into workplaces moving forward. Most definitely, Melissa. I am most excited for new bleeding edge technology that is yet to come, especially as it relates to embracing technology in conference and huddle rooms as companies begin to return to the office. Every space is going to have to be collaborative, video and audio capable, and also boost the level of engagement from people not only in the physical space, but with those that are working from home remotely. Technology will provide us with that flexibility that we need to do our best work from any given location. Now that Nick covered all technology to be excited for, we can call that a wrap. As Nick said, promoting engagement is key. To dive in a bit deeper, I am excited the most for virtual and augmented reality in the workplace. Right now, a ton of people are experiencing Zoom fatigue because they are in back-to-back virtual meetings with little to no engagement. People on the screen look like a 2D poster, but soon we're going to be able to have ourselves as 3D avatars to have a little bit more of a human connection. 
to me, the efficiency in being able to interact with somebody and getting that human connection is going to be far superior. I am super excited to see what releases next. Cool. Brad, what about you? Yeah, one of the technologies I'm interested in is another one of them that's not new, but uh, hadn't seen rapid adoption. And that would be being able to put sensors in our office spaces that will help us understand where people are working. So it had been a nice to have before when it was able to give you some of that real-time utilization information. But now I think as we're looking at making sure that people are socially distancing and having some metrics that could be able to report out on that, that it, it's more important and also for being able to empower people to make decisions and know what, what areas of the building are more heavily used than others so that they can decide where they want to go. And some of that's going to have to partner with being able to pair it through an app or an interface that will let them be able to have that transparency. And then it extends into the real estate decisions that our clients have to make and really recognizing what their actual usage of space is now, because it's certainly changed very rapidly as we're going to have more people working from home and continuing to work from home. So how do they want to be thinking about their leases? How do they want to be thinking about what spaces they want to be allocating their dollars for technology upgrades compared to other spaces that could be a little bit more low tech or take some of the hand-me-downs? So I think that the information that we're going to be able to get from these kind of tools that had already existed, uh, now as the use case for them changes and as the business needs of our clients change, we're going to see those things have more adoption. Great. Well, thank you all for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you to Nick, Brad, and Remington for updating us on the latest emerging technology trends. I know we'll all be looking out for the retrofitting of existing office space to incorporate new technologies. To stay up to date with all the insights from HGA, please visit hga.com insights or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and share with your friends on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. To keep this conversation going, please share on any of our social channels under the post for this episode. If you're interested in talking to me or any of our guests, please reach out to the contact information provided on our website. I'm Melissa Pacey, and I can't wait to talk again during our next episode. Mm-hmm.